you are listening to TK on CFRU Radio 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, and available worldwide at CFRU.ca. What is happening, everybody? I'm your girl, Janon, right here. Ladies and gentlemen, here on TKO, we talk about the most exclusive hot topics from the world of mixed martial arts, also known as MMA, discuss the issues that surround the world of fighting, and talk about the accomplishments of legendary fighters, how they got started, and where they are now. Oh man, I'm just so happy to be here today. As you guys know, we're absolutely obsessed with martial arts here. And whenever there's a good fight card to analyze a few days after it's happened, man, I just get so pumped up. And you're all in luck because today is one of those days, y'all. So as we promised last time, we'll be thoroughly breaking down the fights that happened on the main card of UFC 208 in Brooklyn, New York, headlined by the featherweight championship bout between Holly, the preacher's daughter, Holm, and Jermaine Durandame, the Iron Lady. Now, this card is pretty special because not only did the fighters put on fantastic performances, but for some of the fights that went to decision, there was some controversy regarding how the judges scored the bouts and decided who was going to be the winner. So buckle up because we'll be discussing those controversies in full detail. But before we do that, let's preview some of the fights coming up in the near future. So let's get ready to rumble. All right, so let's get started with UFC 211. Now, last time, we did talk about UFC 210, which is set to happen in Buffalo, New York. Now, they recently announced who was going to headline UFC 211, which is set to happen on May 13th in Dallas, Texas. All right, now, so the main event of this 211 card is supposed to be a heavyweight championship bout between the current champion, Stipe Miocic, and the challenger, Junior Dos Santos. All right, so this is a pretty special card because, first of all, this is the first time uh, in about a year that Stipe Miocic, the champ, is defending his title once again. And the last time that was um, in UFC 203 in Cleveland when he defended his title against Alistair Overeem. He successfully defended his title. And now again, he's set to defend his title against Junior Dos Santos. Okay, so uh, let's just start with how Stipe Miocic became the champion because... That time that Stephen Miocic fought Alistair Overeem, that was his first time ever defending his title. But w- how things went before that is pretty interesting to know. So things got started when uh, Fabricio Werdum, the former champion, the former heavyweight champion, um, got scheduled to fight Stephen Miocic himself. And nobody really thought that Stephen Miocic would have a chance against Fabricio Werdum because Fabricio Werdum is a fantastic striker and he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And, you know, when you mix heavyweights and uh, there's their high skills in uh, Jiu Jitsu, things get pretty dangerous, man. So. Stephen Miocic fought Fabricio Verdum, and uh, well, things didn't go Fabricio Verdum's way, as you can imagine, because in the very first round, as the two were striking, 
Stephen Malchich knocked out Fabricio Verdum cold to the canvas. And that is how Stephen Malchich became the heavyweight champion. And then in his uh, last fight where he fought Alistair Overeem, he showed a phenomenal performance as he outstriked uh, Alistair Overeem and delivered uh, accurate body shots, significant body shots that definitely did hurt Alistair Overeem. And um, in that performance, he definitely did dominate over Alistair Overeem, who has been the veteran of the sport for almost two decades. And um, so that's how he showed us that he does uh, deserve to be the heavyweight champion here at the UFC. Um, now, let's talk about Jun- Junior Dos Santos. So Junior Dos Santos, as a matter of fact, used to be the heavyweight champion uh, until back in the day in um, 2012, he lost his title to Cain Velasquez, another heavyweight champion and another veteran of the sport. But he is one of the most intimidating heavyweights in the UFC now. Ever since he last uh, defended his title and he lost his title to Cain Velasquez, he has improved a lot during those years. And uh, one thing to note is that he's a vicious, vicious boxer. And um, recently he's been uh, working on his kickboxing as well. And uh, whenever he delivers any sort of leg kicks, he delivers them with full power and they really, really hurt his opponents. So that is definitely one of his um, uh, vicious weapons to use in this fight against Stipe Miocic. And speaking of Stipe Miocic's uh, skills, he is uh, one of the best strikers in the division and he has some of the heaviest hands in the entire division. And he delivers punches with almost perfect accuracy. So as you can imagine, those can be really helpful in knocking out um, your opponents. Now, something that is really interesting about this fight is that this is not the first time that Stephen Majocic and Junior Dos Santos are actually facing each other. They have fought one another uh, once before. And the last time that the two fought, Stephen Majocic lost to Junior Dos Santos. And so, as you can imagine, he definitely does want to get revenge uh, from Junior Dos Santos and show the entire world that he does deserve to be the heavyweight champion at the UFC. And another thing that is pretty interesting is that both of these guys are pretty stylistically similar. So, it's pretty interesting to see how things would turn out especially um, if the fight doesn't really go to the ground. How would these two balance um, each other's um, strikes and how would how would they um, uh, try, what would their game plan be? So would they try to uh, be the aggressor, both be the aggressor in the fight? Because uh, none of these guys um, tend to be the counter punchers. So they, in most of their fights, they tend to be the aggressor. So it's pretty interesting to see how things would turn out and with what game plans would each one of these guys um, come into the fight. So mark your calendars, May 13th, Dallas, Texas, UFC 211. Hopefully the UFC executives announce more fights for this card. I'm pretty sure this is going to be a pretty good card if the headliner is going to be a heavyweight championship bout. So yeah. All right, moving on. So they've announced another fight for UFC 212. Yes, they're pretty... They're pretty far ahead in their schedule. So UFC 212 is set to happen on June 3rd in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Yes. And the main event is supposed to be a featherweight championship bout between Jose Aldo, the champion, 
and Max Holloway, the interim champion. Now, the featherweight champion of the UFC, as we talked about before, has a pretty interesting um, history as uh, things got started about uh, two years ago, you could say. Well, not two years ago, uh, towards the end of 2015. Okay, so things got started when um, Jose Aldo, who was the champion back in the day, was set to fight Conor McGregor. Yes, the notorious Conor McGregor, who we talked about many, many times on our show, who is um, beefing with Floyd Money Mayweather and uh, became the two-division champion in the UFC and made a, and made a name of himself. So yeah, I'm talking about the same Conor McGregor. So things got started when Conor McGregor fought Jose Aldo at UFC 194 in 2000, December of 2015. And everybody thought that, okay, Jose Aldo is a champion. There's a reason why he's a champion. He's a great striker. Conor McGregor, like back in the day, he hadn't really shown the world w- what he's really capable of. And so... When the two started fighting in the very first round, after only 13 seconds, Conor McGregor delivered a shot, a really, a, a, a really accurate um, hand to Jose Aldo's temple, and Jose Aldo dropped down to the canvas cold. He got knocked out in, in only about 13 seconds into the very first round, and that is how he lost his featherweight title to Conor McGregor. Now, after that, we all know what happened with Conor McGregor. He was um, bragging about his title and, uh, you know, talking to the entire world about how he wants to become the two-division champion. And he did get the opportunity to, uh, you know, basically prove himself to the entire world as he got the lightweight uh, title for himself as well. But let's get back to Jose Aldo. So Jose Aldo didn't really fight for another six months or so. And then he got scheduled to fight uh, Frankie Edgar at UFC 200 back in July of 2016. And he really did dominate over Frankie Edgar, who is a really high-ranked um, contender in the featherweight division. And he definitely did dominate uh, dominate over him. And he showed that he has great takedown defense. And he's not just that um, really uh, perfectly skilled striker that he can fight in basically any style. So he won that fight over Frankie Edgar in uh, UFC 200. And then we weren't really sure what the future would hold for um, uh, Jose Aldo until after uh, after the event that Conor McGregor did become the two-division um, champion. And then, uh, you know, things got pretty complicated after that because the UFC 206, uh, which was set to happen in Toronto, and, uh, well... It, 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 things got pretty complicated because the main event, uh, main event of UFC 206, was uh, scrapped from the card, and then uh, the fight that was after that, so the co-main event of the card became the main event, and to be, pretty much make things interesting, that was a fight between Max Holloway, the guy who is set to uh, fight Jose Aldo right now, and Anthony Pettis. So uh, Dana White, the president of the UFC, decided that Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis would fight for the interim championship. And, well, the questions were arising that how can this be possible since Conor McGregor is the actual champion and Jose Aldo is the number one contender in the division. And so Dana White, the president of the UFC, decided that he would strip Conor McGregor from his featherweight uh, championship belt. 
And so automatically when he did that, the number one contender who was Jose Aldo, he automatically became the champion again. And so because of that, Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis uh, got the chance to fight for the interim belt. And in that fight, Max Holloway completely dominated over Anthony Pettis and became the interim champion. So there you have it. That's the long history behind and, and pretty interesting history behind the featherweight um, division in the UFC and so the two are set to fight each other at UFC 212 so this is a pretty interesting bout because um, just like I said before these guys are pretty stylistically similar as well just like the um, heavyweight bout between um, uh, Junior Dos Santos and Stephen Miocic and uh, it's pretty interesting because you, uh, whoever wins this fight shows that he's going to be the better man because uh, both none of these guys really tend to be the grappler or uh, it doesn't really tend to uh, rely on wrestling and jiu-jitsu when it comes to fighting and uh, dominating over their opponents. In this case, both of these guys are strikers and pretty much great strikers and Jose Aldo he delivers some of the best flying knees in the game and Max Holloway he has great stamina and he tends to throw a lot of punches with a great volume of punches uh, to over uh, overwhelm his opponent and Jose Aldo man he, he delivers some of the most accurate strikes in the game and so it is going to be pretty interesting to see how this fight would turn out and um, who would actually become the undisputed champion and, and who will actually unite the belts and become the champion of the featherweight division all right man this is going to be pretty interesting so again mark your calendars june 3rd rio de janeiro brazil ufc 212 all right all right now moving on from the ufc let's talk about bellator so if you guys already don't know, I mean, we already talked about it here on TKO, but Bellator is the um, basically the competitor of the UFC, and they're they're another um, American um, MMA organization. And um, recently, they've been uh, trying to make a name of themselves because they've been attracting a lot of um, UFC veterans, UFC um, you know legends to their um, to their league, and uh, they've been also attracting a lot of um, new MMA talent into their uh, into their organization so that they're able to compete with the UFC. So recently. Uh, Bellator announced that at their uh, at their Bellator 172 event, uh, there's going to be a fight between the MMA legend Fedor Emelianenko and Matt Mitrione. Okay, so let's talk about these two talented, talented fighters. So I believe we already did talk about Fedor on our show before when we were talking about Ryzen, uh, uh, the Ryzen fights in Japan. We talked about how Fedor is just a legend period in that he has made a name of himself and arguably he is the greatest heavyweight MMA fighter of all time. I mean, if you don't really know what I'm talking about in combat sports, well, honestly, Fedor is the Michael Jordan of MMA, of um, all heavyweights on earth. And that's definitely fair to say because... Uh, Fedor has been has been doing this for almost like ever since MMA became common and 
ever since MMA became mainstream. So he's been almost doing this for about 20 years, and he has he has had some of the best MMA fights in the history of MMA. And so Fedor is a vicious boxer, and uh, when he when he goes out there, he just puts everything out there and he just goes full-on beast mode on his opponents and uh he just tends to knock out his opponents with just one heavy hand and they're down to the down to the canvas cold so as you can imagine Fedor is one of the scariest guys in MMA and definitely one of the greatest MMA fighters out there so Fedor Something that is really interesting about Fedor is that he actually never got the chance to fight for the UFC, which is pretty interesting. But he did get to fight at other MMA organizations such as Strike Force and so forth. And he did uh, manage to uh, get the um, heavyweight uh, championship belt for himself, but he never really got the chance to fight at the UFC. But that doesn't take away from um, his greatness and how talented of a fighter he is, definitely. And so, you ha- on one hand, you have Fedor Emelianenko, and then on the other hand, you have Matt Mitrione, who used to fight for the UFC, but then for uh, some of the um, contract issues that he was having with the UFC, um, he got released from his contract from the UFC, and he is um, now uh, signed with Bellator. And so Matt Mitrione is also another dangerous heavyweight to watch out for. He is a greatly talented boxer. And, man, he has had some of the best fights in the heavyweight um, history in MMA. And uh, something that Mitrione needs to watch out for in this fight is that he needs to perfect his um, defense because Fedor tends to just get out there and, and just full power mode and just uh, let everything out there with his strikes, with his uh, like 100% powerful strikes. And so Mad Mitchell really needs to watch out for that. And he, I, I'm not going to say he has to fight defensively, but it, it would be a smart thing to do. It, it would be a smart game plan to, uh, to consider. And for Fedor, well, he... I, I do accept the fact that he is the aggressor mostly in his fights, but he also needs to watch out. He doesn't, he cannot underestimate Mamitrione. So he also needs to watch out, and especially for Matt's um, heavy hooks. He needs to watch out for those. And, um, well, I'm not really sure if um, these guys are going to take the uh, take the fight to the ground because none of these guys are really that great in their um, ground game. They're mostly uh, great boxers. They tend to box in their fights, but overall, this fight is going to be absolutely amazing because you have the legend, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, Fedor Emelianenko, and the greatly dangerous Matt Mitrione fighting each other. So the fight is set to happen on uh, February 18th. And so make sure you catch it, guys, because this is going to be one amazing fight to watch. And um, it's just pretty interesting to see how things will turn out after this fight. So, yeah, that's all the fight announcement we have for this week. So we're going to be breaking down the fights that took place on the 208 card, the UFC 208 card in Brooklyn. But before that, let's just take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Today. The past is the past, you know? 
do it now. Time. You can check your iPhone, better say it's our time I don't even need a watch, I don't even see a clock Soon as I walk in, it feel like me a clock Yeah, me a clock, every time my checks Don't measure up and try to blame the Pyrex I'ma do it bigger than the 5X Can't ride with a L, so I don't drive Lex all right, everybody, welcome back to TKO This is TKO on CFRE Radio 93.3 FM we are all about mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts is all we talk about all day, every day. All right, so the song you just heard was called My Time by Fabulous. And uh, this is a pretty good song because it definitely puts you on beast mode. And this is actually a song that Jacare Sosa, who's fighting on the UFC 208 card, usually walks out to. And I love, love Jacare Sosa. So, yeah, this is definitely a uh, pretty cool song. And it definitely does for the occasion right now. All right, so let's get started with UFC 208. So... Starting with the third last fight on the main card, we have Jacare Sosa and Tim Boyd fighting each other. And so the fight starts the very first round. The two seem to really take their time and seem to be really cautious of one another. So they're not trying to be the overaggressor in the fight. And they're just really taking their time in the fight. And after a while, Jacare Sosa is successful at taking down Tim Boyd. And um, Tim Boyd is just going with him down to the canvas. And then Jacare, the two scramble and Jacare is now on top. And he is able to lock Tim Boyd's hand and he is um, attempting a submission through a Kimura and he is successful before he actually, uh, you know, uh, fully completes the Kimura, Tim Boyd taps out and um, actually this is the third time that Tim Boyd is being submitted through a Kimura attempt. And so that definitely does tell him one thing that he needs to work on his jiu-jitsu game and he needs to uh, work on how he needs to defend those Kimuras. But overall, great performance by both guys, especially Jacare Sosa. This performance, this great performance definitely does put it on top and he he might very well be the next person in line to fight for the middleweight title against the middleweight champion. Okay. Now, moving on, the next fight is a fight between Anderson Silva and Derek Brunson. So the uh, so both of these guys seem pretty prepared, especially Anderson Silva. So the fight starts, both of these guys seem to be really patient. Now, Derek Brunson is almost getting frustrated from the fact that Anderson Silva isn't doing anything on him. So he starts throwing punches to the head, and Anderson Silva is actually pretty successful in um, dodging those punches. But the thing is, the two get into a clinch, and Derek Brunson's just throwing so many punches towards Anderson's head, and Anderson isn't doing anything about it, isn't doing anything to defend himself uh, from those punches, which makes you really wonder, is this what Anderson Silva is going to do in order to win this fight? What other game plan does Anderson Silva have in mind? So this clinch thing just starts to repeat itself over and over again 
But Anderson Silva, every now and then, he's throwing some um, accurate strikes towards uh, Derek Brunson's head, and he's throwing body shots, especially kicks. He's throwing some nice kicks and good flying knees. But again, that clinch thing just keeps repeating itself over and over again. But Anderson Silva looks like he's got a great takedown defense. And um, he's um, not letting the the fight go to the ground. And so the fight goes the full distance. And um, there's a lot of mutual respect between these two. But the judges actually scored the contest for Anderson Silva, and Anderson Silva wins through unanimous decision. But it looks like, I mean, every single fan loves Anderson Silva, but as an MMA purist, you have to you have to think, is this the most fair way to actually score this contest? Because it looked like Derek Brunson was, uh, was having a better performance in this fight than Anderson Silva. And so that is definitely one of the controversies that, uh, you know, was uh, really talked about during this fight. But that's not it. There was another one, which is the main event, that um, definitely raised a lot of questions when it came to scoring the contest. So let's talk about the main event. Yes, I'm talking about the featherweight championship bout between Holly Holm and Jermaine Duraname. So the fight starts... Okay, we have Jermaine Duraname, who's a Muay Thai champion, and we have Holly Holm, the former Bantamweight champion and a former boxing champion. So the fight starts. Holly Holm looks like she is throwing uh, most of the punches, but okay, here's the thing. The punches that she is throwing and the kicks that she's throwing towards Jermaine Duraname, they're not necessarily... Uh, being absorbed by Jermaine Duraname. She just looks like she's attempting a lot of uh, strikes, but almost less than 50% of her strikes are actually being significant and effective. But on the other hand, Jermaine Duraname, even though she's not throwing a lot of punches, but whenever she does throw a strike towards Holly Holm, it is being almost 85% effective and being absorbed by Holly Holm. So the first round finishes like that. The second round starts. It kind of looks similar to the first round. The two are just striking with each other. And um, Jermaine Duraname is trying to get into the clinch and throw a lot of um, knees um, in the clinch towards Holly Holm. And then the second round finishes. But the thing is, the horn goes off. But Jermaine Duraname throws an elbow towards um, Holly Holm's head. But the referee hasn't stopped the fight yet, even though the horn has um, gone off. Therefore, that that just raised a lot of questions as to whether or not the elbow that Jermaine Duraname threw towards Holly Holm was um, legal or illegal. And so um, a lot of people said that the referee should have warned Jermaine Duraname about that. And um, so so that if the next time that it happened, uh, the referee should deduct a point from Jermaine Duraname's scores. But the, the referee didn't do anything. Anyway, so the fight continues. The third round uh, goes exactly like the first round and the second round. And then they're just striking. And um, Holly Holm is really trying to take down Jermaine Duraname. But Jermaine Duraname just has such a great takedown defense. And she's not going down at all all so every single takedown attempt that holly holm is trying to uh, uh, you know try on jermaine durandamate it's not working 
And then in the fourth round, again, the horn goes off. But Jermaine Durandamy, she throws a one-two. So a, a, a jab and a hook towards Holly Holm. That definitely rocks Holly Holm again. But the referee hasn't stopped the fight again. But it was definitely obvious that Jermaine Durandamy threw those punches after the uh, after the horn went off. But the referee didn't do anything. And he didn't deduct a point. Which, again, raised a lot of questions. Because... If the referee did deduct a point, it would have been a draw because those punches that Jermaine Duranime threw towards Holly Holm, they definitely did rock her a lot. And it definitely did affect her performance a lot. But the referee didn't do anything. And in the last final round starts, the fifth round starts, and Holly Holm looks like she is uh, being the dominator in this round. And in the end, the fight ends and... uh, we're just waiting for the scorecards to come out. And the judges score the contest for Jermaine Duranime. Therefore, Jermaine Duranime is the new featherweight champion. But again, there's a lot of controversy around her win. And a lot of people are saying that it should have been a draw, uh, given that a point should have been deducted for those punches that were thrown after the bell. But oh well, overall, great performance by both of these ladies fighting for the featherweight title. And man, I wish I could just stay here longer and talk about who are some of the other fighters who could be challengers of the women's featherweight title. But unfortunately, that's all the time we're going to have for this week. Make sure you go to CFRU.ca to catch up with our show. And until next time, I'm your girl Janon, and this is TKO. TKO.